that only God can give be upon you. Welcome to another edition of Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq Alameen, and we are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming at WCEV1450.com. If you are new to the Radio Islam program, the Radio Islam family, we welcome you. Thanks for tuning in. We're on every day from 6 to 7 p.m. Central, coming to you from the wonderful city of Chicago, Illinois. And if you happen to hear a rumble in the background, that would be Chicago's venerated elevated trains. We are just a stone's throw from the brown, the green, orange, pink, all those elevated trains. So anyway, you can keep up with us by following and liking our pages on social media we're on facebook twitter and instagram you'll find us at radio islam usa and you can also catch up with those episodes you've missed out on by going to wherever you get your podcast so if that's tune in itunes google play or soundcloud you will find us once again at radio islam usa and that is all i have to say i just rhymed okay all right multi-talented uh, host here i do a little bit of rapping every now and again but anyway let's uh let's get into our conversation uh, for this edition of Radio Islam. Um, there was a monumental uh, decision made by the Supreme Court of the United States recently, um, the Janus Labor Union case. And this is going to have some far-reaching uh, effects, and it's not something that labor is not going to, is, is going to be able to uh, simply watch uh, and not come out uh, and talk about um, this is huge, uh, family. So to help us unpack this case and to talk uh, with uh, someone, uh, with a couple of folks uh, who are here in studio with us that are going to help us understand the, the impact and the reach uh, of this case, we have joining us in studio today. We have Miss Diane Palmer. Uh, she is the president of SEIU Healthcare Wisconsin, that's Service Employees International Union, uh, and also a co-trustee for Local 73 here in Chicago, which um, we'll actually just let her give you some info as to uh, the constituency, uh, who that union represents. And we also have, joining her, we have uh, Mr. Roderick Bashir. Uh, he is the former VP of SEIU Local One um, here in Chicago, and also a former trustee, multi, uh, multiple term trustee of Hazelcrest, uh, Illinois, right outside of Chicago. So we are pleased to welcome both of them to the Radio Islam uh, program, and we greet them both. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, peace be with you. Thanks for being here. Assalamu alaikum. All right. So, uh, Diane, if I could turn to you uh, first, mm -hmm. um, because you're, you're in two different positions, right? Yes. Uh, and as the uh, as a president of SEIU Healthcare Wisconsin, um, this Supreme Court decision, which Basically, for, for most folks who may not be too familiar with it, uh, they understand it just in terms of uh, union dues and, and representation, right? Folks are now being allowed to be represented but not having to pay for their representation. Yes. That's kind of the, the, the cut and dry of it, right? Mm -hmm. um, but what is this going to mean for 
uh, SEIU Healthcare Wisconsin. Uh, if we could start there, first off, how many folks are we talking about, and and what are the range of uh, of people that are represented uh, that that you represent? SEIU Healthcare Wisconsin will not be tremendously impacted by the Janus case because, as you recall, in 2011. Uh, the new, newly elected governor, Scott Walker, enacted uh, Act 10. Mm -hmm. And Act 10 basically took away uh, many of the rights of public sector workers. And so it was um, Janet, the Janice case on steroids. Uh, mm -hmm. It was uh, way more uh, furious than the Janice case. So when the Janice case came about, it does not really affect uh, SEIU Healthcare Wisconsin. Okay. Now, if you can go a little bit further into Act 10, because uh, we know that there has been a pushback. Uh, I mentioned quite often that I'm a 10-year I'm a, a member of a Local One mm -hmm. uh, Iron Workers International Union. Mm -hmm. And uh, when it comes to discussions about right to work, about rolling back the, the efforts of, uh, of unions, um, that these, a lot of things that we take for granted, you know, a 40-hour work week, uh, 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 governing bodies, you know, like, uh, like OSHA, uh, that these are all a part of the work of uh, the union, the labor movement. Uh, what are some of the things that Act 10 did uh, in particular that, <laughs> that kind of set the stage for something like Janice? Well, Act 10 was a law that was enacted by the governor and passed by the legislature and then uh, finally signed off by him that the reason I said it was worse than um, Janice is that some of the public sector workers, namely UW Hospital in Madison, where there were probably 10,000 union members, it made it illegal for them to be in a collective bargaining agreement. So they cannot be a part of a union. Um, it took away all their rights, rights, and the statute that gave them that right was, was stricken from the statute book. That was one thing. The second thing they did is that they made unions have to um, recertify every year. Every year you have to run an election, so basically you're in an organizing mode all the time. Uh, you are not able to negotiate over anything except for wages, and the wages, if you want it more than 1%, uh, you have to take it to a referendum uh, amongst all the citizens of Wisconsin. So that law basically struck the right for most public sector workers to be in a collective bargaining agreement. Wow. Wow. So you have to recertify every single year. So I know here uh, in Chicago, I, I don't know what it is for other, uh, other locals, but we have elections every three years. Um, and that, would, that is that certification that you're talking about? No, right? not exactly. The certification is once you um, decide that you want to be a part of a union, you yeah. usually vote. And once you become a union member and that union shop is it, that union is in your shop, yeah. it's in there for, you know, until people actually oh, want it out. Okay. Uh, the, what you're talking about is the three years like as an officer right, right, inside right. the union. The other thing that Act 10 did is that after you recertify, you have to recertify with 51% of the people in the unit. So, for instance, if you have 100 people in a, in, at that place of employment and... 40 vote, you lost. So you have to, it's not the majority of the people that vote, it's the majority of the people in the unit. Wow. And then once you recertify, you have to pay for it. The, you know, you used to be able to have elections and it was paid for by the, the state, but now 
the union has to pay for the the process. Okay, now you're also a co-trustee for Local 73 here yes. uh, in Chicago. Now, mm -hmm. now who who who's a part of this this union? So Local 73 in Chicago has 30,000 members in all areas of Illinois. It goes from um, the Wisconsin border all the way down to I think it's Missouri. Every county in Illinois we have members because we represent the Secretary of State that does the uh, license plates. Okay, all right. Now, what are, what's, what's some of the feedback? Um, what is the, what's the general mood? I know this is a very recent uh, decision, but what, what, are, what are some of the things that you're hearing uh, from your members? So, our members, we, we inoculated them that it was coming because after uh, President Trump um, put Gorsuch in the Supreme Court, mm -hmm. it gave a five to four, four progressive, five more conservative. We knew that uh, if that was put before the Supreme Court, that they would rule not in the favor of unions. So our members, uh, we, we had started to have conversations with them about. And you know, lucky for us, most of the me members in Illinois are really familiar with the unions, and they, they are really familiar with worker rights. They are really familiar with the benefits of being in the union in regards to their pension. Um, sort of that was helped, some of that was helped out sort of with the Governor Rahner, who uh, went after the public sector pensions, right. that went after their salaries. And so they knew that the only stop between what Ronald wanted and what the members deserved and worked for was their union. Mm. Now, is there, uh, you said, you talked about the, the attitude of those folks who are here in, uh, in Illinois. Is there a difference in the attitudes uh, between those uh, uh, workers, uh, those members in Wisconsin? Well, I think um, not so much in attitude, but in numbers, a good majority of workers in Illinois are represented by collective bargaining agreements. And so they have felt the benefit of being in a collective bargaining agreement. In Wisconsin, we were not as large as uh, they are in Illinois in regards to numbers. And so uh, in the conversations I've had, and I've gone over a lot of Illinois talking to members about this case and about how the case was actually brought about by Governor Rahner when he sued AFSCME because they were in negotiations, and then uh, the courts threw that out, and then a guy by the name of Mark Janis, uh, which was, and it's not really about Mark Janis, but he was just the person, the name that they used to file the lawsuit. They quickly escalated it through the Supreme Court, I mean, up to the Supreme Court, and here we are. But our members were well aware of what was happening and how this was going to affect their, um, their professional lives. Mm. Now, do you think that, um, do you find it just totally in opposition to the idea of, uh, of not do you find, but it, it seems crazy to me. I'll just mm -hmm. say it seems crazy to me that people will take the benefit that comes with the union represent, uh, representation, uh, but then feel that they can have their representation for free. Uh, how, how do we get to, how do we get to that, uh, you know, that point? Yeah, I think, I think people are hurting. Uh, you know, it's a, Illinois is an expensive state to live in. Uh, they, uh, some, many of our members work two jobs they go get off one job and go to another, or they work a lot of overtime just to make ends meet. Mm -hmm. uh, people can barely uh, 
you know, get through life with their children and school and all the things that you need to live in the state of Illinois. And so uh, there's some folks in Illinois, such as Governor Ronald, who has a lot of money, and they do a lot of advertising, and they try to take the guilt away from people in regards to uh, not paying and making it sound like it's okay. This is your right. You, It's your right to not pay and get a benefit that um, your coworkers or your friends that sit right next to you uh, are paying for. So we're having conversations with people about that, about it is, you know, the small fee that they pay for union dues is big when somebody's trying to take your pension and what you've worked most of your work life to have uh, in your retirement. It's, uh, it's, and folks are getting it. They're saying, as a matter of fact, this morning, a lady called me from one of the municipalities and she said to me, she said, Diane, I am not on a card. They were taking my dues without me being on a card. She said, but I don't want my dues to stop. Can you come here? And there's seven more of us and, and pick up our cards. We're ready to turn our, we heard about the case and we want to turn our cards in. So the members have been extraordinarily well educated. These are smart people. Uh, they know the benefit of the union and they know that uh, folks with a lot of money, more money than they would ever spend in their lifetime and, and three generations after them they know that these people are not on their side. Would you explain um, what that, that, that term means, uh, turning in their card? What, what is? Oh, it's a membership card. It's a, they fill out a membership card authorizing us to uh, take the dues money out of their checks. Okay, I'm sorry. Right. No, no, no problem. I, I, I got it, but mm -hmm. <laughs> just, uh, you know, that, that jargon, folks who, who may have, yeah. they may have never fill, filled out an application before for a membership card. Um, so, but Act 10, now it, it prohibited collective bargaining from going uh, past negotiating for wages, yes. any anything but wages, right? So um, working conditions, that's not something that no. we could, could uh, talk about. Um, could not talk about um, uh, resolving uh, conflict on, on a job. No. Okay. Um, now, there seems to be, once again, there's a real, there's a disconnect between the history of, of labor, uh, when it comes to negotiation, and where we are, and how how unions are being uh, painted right now, mm -hmm. um, I'm not I'm not I, I'm still kind of at a loss, right? When it comes to thousands and thousands of workers, uh, and maybe you want to interject on this, uh, uh, Rod. You mm -hmm. you've negotiated contracts uh, as well. Uh, did you did you find that? people that wages were the only thing that people were concerned about when you went into negotiations no uh it was not the only thing they're concerned about they're concerned about uh, uh wages hours working conditions their seniority rights uh the opportunities to uh to, to grow uh in the jobs that they might have and what the obstacles might be to the uh to the obstruction of that growth so no, it's not just about wages. It's about uh, much more than wages. But when you listen to the argument um, uh, on on both sides, in the union side, are those who want to uh, get rid of unions. They boil it down to the least. Uh, to, to, they do what they can to make it as simple as possible, so that people can understand it. And it boils down to wages, and everybody understands wages. Yeah. And go ahead. You know, and the thing I want to say is that. Uh, I've been a union member for 30 years, and I've been a nurse for 30 years. Um, I did not join a union for wages. I didn't join it for health insurance. Those benefits were provided to me. I joined the union for fairness. 
uh, that is a big issue amongst our members that things are not being done fair. Without a union, they could hire you at one salary and me at another. They could give you a, raise, a particular raise and me a different raise. They could promote you and not promote me. And so it was all an issue of fairness. I worked hard for my income. I showed up. In my entire work life, I've never been disciplined. So it wasn't because of uh, wages or being disciplined. It was an issue of fairness. The other reason I joined is for the social justice aspect of it. The things that are being done in our country th these days is unconscionable. You know, the children on the border uh, scapegoating people because you just don't like them is wrong. And by myself, I cannot have a voice about that. But collectively, I can have a voice. Um, it's, uh, there's a rally this Saturday uh, right here in Chicago, and lots of people are going to show up. And they said, well, why are people showing up? And I said, I would show up just to say that I don't agree with the government, what they're doing. I don't agree with that. And as an American, a taxpaying citizen, I want to lend my voice to help those that are, can't do it by themselves. The only way that I'm able to do that is through my union that my union makes provisions and tells us and educates us about what is happening. And so uh, I just, and the right knows that. They know what's happening. And they want to divide it. They want to take uh, union money out of politics. And if they do, then they can run the board. Right, and, and, and allow corporate funds to run unfettered and unchecked and super PACs. Um, I am often confused. Uh, when I think about the number of people that have union jobs uh, that um, that are in, in 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 districts that where the elected officials are in opposition to their presence, uh, I'm, I'm really befuddled when I when I think about this. Uh, how has how have the general public, in in you all's estimation, come to a point where they are? believing that they will get a better shake from the state than they would from their own collective bargaining um, organizations? I think it's a, a, a litany of misinformation, uh, having people believe that you can, you can figure out your own destiny. Uh, I just recall when uh, disciplinaries are issued and I have to go and represent somebody, they go into a room and there's an HR person likely there's an attorney, there's a person who's, who has a degree in this or that, uh, and they sit there alone. And they're, these folks are prepared. They know what they want to do and they know how they want to do it and they've often had a meeting before the meeting. And they go in there and they're all by themselves and that is the way they want to keep working people. They want to keep you unprepared, uneducated, and standing alone. And uh, a union gives you the ability to stand with others, and they want to stop that as fast as they can. So, now, I, I think I think both of you have hit on it uh, already. Uh, you know, decisions like the Janice decision don't take place in a vacuum. They don't take place all of a sudden. And uh, once uh, issues such as this reach the public. It's generally just kind of in your face, but you don't know the background, as, as uh, Diane is saying. You don't know, um, you don't know the politics of it. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't know who's behind it. I mean, people may not know that that uh, that Janice was supported by right-to-work uh, organizations yeah. uh, that have been working very diligently in many states 
to uh, create right-to-work laws in those states. Wisconsin is one of those states now. Uh, Illinois uh, was very close to becoming one of those states uh, with, uh, through, uh, with Governor Rana. Mm -hmm. And that's an effort that's taken place by a number of different organizations that, you know, that, that Diane is familiar with, uh, ALEC, mm -hmm. the uh, yes. American Legislative Affairs Council, the, um, the Illinois Justice Center, the National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation, and all of these sound like benevolent organizations, right. but their objective is to, as you've already indicated, defund uh, leaders, alleged, uh, people who make laws, mm -hmm. defund them so they, they can, as Diane said, run the table. Right. Uh, so if you, if you uh, union dues and, and union members support Democrats, generally speaking, right. there are cases where they support Republicans, but generally speaking, they support Democrats that support labor law that are supportive of them right. and so as a consequence of not knowing the background you get just kind of get lost in the uh in in the the politics of it oh and what sounds good okay. uh the idea of right to work especially when you put that next to unemployment mm -hmm. yeah. uh it sounds like well yeah I, I would like to work and why would you keep me from working right. and i have a right to work right? yeah right i have a, I have a right to I work have a right to work but what are the conditions uh, that you are working under and who is in support of this idea of right to work uh, because if it's not something that is coming from workers themselves uh, which which generally it's not uh, and it is actually um, it's, it's being supported by uh, the, the corporate interests or the the, the, the the business interest then you know what exactly are you looking at well what's the wage what look at the difference in wages mm -hmm. uh in right to work uh states compared to uh union um states uh for right. folks and i i can give you i know this much that the uh, i from what i'm aware of there are people in in parts of florida where it's uh, right to work that are iron working it's just, you know, physically exhaustive mm -hmm. uh, work, and it takes you, you know, years to become uh, proficient. Right? Who are doing that same job uh, in, in Florida where they're making less than $20 an hour mm -hmm. uh, to do it. Whereas somewhere like in Chicago or New York or San Francisco, the package is upwards of 80 you know, uh, $80 an hour uh, to do that, that, that very same work. Mm -hmm. And also comes with strict uh, safety guidelines and, and, mm -hmm. and training and certifications and, and all these different things. So it's not what, uh, it certainly is not what it sounds like. Mm -hmm. um, but do you think people are being, are being fooled? So I think working people um, are, are generally stronger when they stand together. Absolutely. And billionaires and corporations know that. Mm -hmm. um, which is why they are constantly trying to pit us against each other. And so what they do is they make, uh, they pit us by race, by religion, by immigration status, uh, or whether or not we have health care. And so when they do all those things, we start to think, well, maybe I'm, I'm not so bad off. Look at Jim, he's this or he's that. And if you, as long as you keep that going, mm -hmm. you keep people divided. And if you keep people divided, then you can do whatever you want to do. You can pay them the wages they want to, uh, you know, you want to pay them. Uh, you can give them benefits or not give them benefits. And that's the unfortunate thing. Uh, the other unfortunate thing is that 
in, in, in the industry that Local 73 represents, like I said, a lot of those people work a couple jobs, mm -hmm. and they have children, and they have families, and they have the same uh, calamities as everybody else, and they don't really have time to sit down and study the Internet or study the law about a particular thing or even educate themselves about uh, different races and religions and all that. And so they take advantage of that. If you keep people uh, divided and working hard and barely scraping by and worried always about whether they can make their mortgage or their car payment, you can take advantage of them. And that's their whole idea. I mean, it just astounds me that people have billions of dollars, and that's not enough. They want more. It's, it, that, that's amazing. And I don't care how I get it. I don't care how unethical it is what I do. I just want this money. When you mentioned that um, most of your, your members are working multiple jobs, um, that leads me to, first of all, um, as, as union members, one of the things that we want is we want some fairness. We want some parity and equity. We want opportunity. Um, is there also, this is also attached to uh, the struggle, the fight for a, a living wage. Um, how, how are your members situated with regard to that? Is that something that um, that you're hearing a lot about, and then what is the impact that this decision, in, in your uh, estimation, is going to have on that pursuit of a living wage? Well, lots of our members make less than $15 an hour, and they're yeah. doing really difficult, um, infectious jobs. Yeah. Uh, they're cleaning, they're uh, cleaning inside of healthcare facilities, they're uh, working with students, um, they're working with the developing disabled. They're doing all kinds of jobs and they don't make $15 an hour. Many of them cannot even afford to be in a patient in the facility that they work in. Mm -hmm. So it is really, really unfortunate. And will the $15 an hour affect them? Uh, at this point, we're fighting, you know, we're fighting to get that every day and all across the country. If uh, the billionaires and the the folks from the right get their way, it would affect it. They, they're saying uh, one of the decisions uh, was that folks, um, the court refers back to past times when collective bargaining was unlawful and every individual employee had the liberty of contract to sell his labor. Mm -hmm. So that, you like, you go and you make a deal. Right. So if you'll do it for 15, I'll do it for 14, and she'll do it for 12. So it, uh, it leaves us behind. And, you know, you mentioned Florida and all the things that happen in Florida, but the goods and the services and the cars and the houses all cost the same, if not more, yep. than uh, Illinois. So it is so unfortunate what's happening and that people are actually buying into the rhetoric. Mm -hmm. um, any thoughts on that? No? Uh, you were you're talking about how labor is, comp you know, is composed, right? We're, we're many different... Uh, ethnicities and, and, and backgrounds and, and uh, ideologies, but everybody understands the central focus of wanting to have, uh, to get the most for for their efforts, right, and to have a level playing field. Uh, and all these other things that, that come in uh, that distract us from that we can actually have, we can all, we can all acquire what we're looking for together. Mm -hmm. uh, but there are things that are put in to divide us. Um, do you do you believe that labor has the ability to withstand these uh, dividing forces that seem to, to to always be a part of the attack 
whenever workers come together. Uh, but do you think we're do you think there's a way for us to come to a point where we will not allow ourselves to be pitted against one another? We are folks that are actually in a union and participate in their union, they know the secret is that most folks want the same thing, a uh, chance at the American dream, a family, a decent job, and a decent place when they retire. We all want the same things. And I think what union does is that we educate each other about uh, different cultures and races, and we embrace that here in America, that you know our world is better because of you and because of everybody who's, who's in it. And as we... Mm -hmm. um, as we um, move in through our union, we think that we will. We've asked our members to recommit, and they did it in, in huge numbers, saying, I'm on a card, but I want to make sure that the Supreme Court knows that I'm committed. And so here is a new card to say that I know what I'm doing today. I know I signed that card 15 years ago, but today I'm going to sign that card again so that I want to recommit to my union. Um, we're going to stick together, and we're going to get through this like we've gotten through so many other times. I think that uh, as long as we hang in there together, there's no force that can stop us. No Supreme Court is going to stop us from being um, decent citizens, working hard, giving a hard day's work for a hard day's pay. And so we, we believe that we're going to be victorious in the end of this. Okay. Radio Sound family, for those of you who are just who are just tuning in. Uh, we are talking with Diane Palmer. Uh, she is the president of SEIU Healthcare Wisconsin, uh, co-trustee for Local 73 Chicago, as well as Rod Bashir, uh, former uh, vice president of SEIU Local 1, and uh, also former uh, multiple term trustee for Hazelcrest, Illinois. And we're talking about the Janus decision, uh, its impact, but we're gonna take a short break as I said. I know I said a whole lot before the break, but we'll be back in just a minute. The Syrian Community Network, with offices nationwide, serves its Chicago area clients from its Northside location, located at 5439 North Broadway. They provide housing, social services, education, basic human needs, and food security. The Syrian Community Network has Arabic-speaking staff and is a partner organization of the Illinois Coalition for Immigrant and Refugee Rights. You can get more info by calling area code 872-806-0141. That's area code 872-806-0141. 0141 or by visiting their website at syriancommunitynetwork.org. And now we have an eight-year-old on the line. Welcome to Our World Today. What's your question? Our continents make up 29% of the Earth's surface, meaning that 71% is comprised of water. Man automatically adapts to environmental conditions. So why do I need to take swimming lessons? Are you ready for kids who eat healthy? Good nutrition can lead to great things. To find out how a healthy lifestyle can help your child succeed, go to mypyramid.gov. Brought to you by the Ad Council and USDA. When Dad needed help getting around, I became his driver. Soon enough, it was up to me to be his housekeeper and financial manager, too. 
When he moved in, I became his cook and even his nurse. But no matter what roles I play, I know I'm still his daughter. We understand the roles you play. So to help, we created aarp.org caregiving, where you can connect with experts and other caregivers. Visit aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Would your business survive a disaster? Nearly two-thirds of businesses aren't prepared for an emergency, and 40% of businesses that experience a disaster never recover. Make an emergency plan now before it's too late. For a free online tool that helps you develop an emergency plan to keep your business up and running should disaster strike, visit ready.gov forward slash business. Brought to you by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, the American Red Cross, and the Ad Council. Hey, Mom, why is the sky blue? Why don't animals talk? Why do dogs have wet noses? Why is an 11 pronounced 21? Kids ask a lot of questions. Why do I have a belly button? But you don't have to know every answer. Why is the ocean salty? Because you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Why are there 50 states? There are thousands of children in foster care who don't need every question answered. Why is pizza round? They just need you. For more information on how you can adopt, go to AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Welcome back. Welcome back to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq Alameen. We are broadcasting on WCEV 1450, and we are streaming at WCEV1450.com. Remember, you can keep up with us on social media and wherever you get your podcasts at the same username. Find us at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. We are joined in studio today by Diane Palmer and Rod Bashir. Um, uh, two folks in union leadership. As a matter of fact, Diane is the president of SEIU Healthcare Wisconsin and the uh, co-trustee for Local 73 Chicago. Rod Bashir is a former vice president for SEIU Local 1, former trustee, multiple terms for Hazelcrest, Illinois. And we're talking about the, the Janus decision. Uh, Supreme Court recently uh, made a decision that is going to have um, it's going to have impact in, in varying degrees, but just at its core, at its core, it just seems just, just really wrong, right? The, just you just can't have any kind of sense of, of fairness that you know if you're going to benefit that you should you know you should chip in, right? If you didn't put in on this, you don't you don't get to benefit from this. Uh, I think that's that's the easiest way for me to say it. But we want to go ahead and um, want to entertain another another idea. Uh, and well, before I ask that. I want to ask. I want to ask this: the the benefits. Uh, you talked about why you came into, uh, you know, got into the union. That it wasn't for the health care, right? You know, you had those things. You know, you had the wages. But coming from uh, prior to the union, right? There has to be something that what what in your in your makeup in your in your history because uh, you're you're not from Wisconsin or or Chicago, right? No. Right. Okay. So now, um, that where are you from originally? I'm originally from Mississippi. From Mississippi. Now, what what are the main uh, differences? What are the, what are the things that you see differently for those that you saw working, um, growing up, and the promise of what the union uh, offers? What what what's the what's the main main difference? 
So yes, I'm from Mississippi and I go back often because I have lots of relatives that are still there. And it's pretty amazing to me the amount of poverty that's in Mississippi, which is the poorest state in the United States. Uh, the poverty and that people have to work until they literally die. That elderly people are still going to work because they can't make ends meet or they didn't have any sort of pension on the jobs that they had. Now that is, and, and that is still the, the case uh, today? That is the case today. All right, now just for, this, just for the sake of argument, and I'm not one to do this often, mm -hmm. right? But for those people who try to paint unions as a bastion of corruption mm -hmm. uh, and say that um, individuals should be able to do on their own, go out and forge ahead, a whole bootstraps thing, right? All, all about the individual. And they say that there's corruption in the unions and, uh, and unions are hurting America and all this type of argument. Uh, do you have a, a response to that? I do. Uh, and my response would be in Illinois, in America, in the world, there are good people and there are people that do bad things. It happens in our homes, it happens in our schools, it happens in our churches, and it most certainly happens in uh, corporations. So yes, there are things that happen that should not happen, uh, but that is not the, the basis on which unions were built. If there is something that happens that's not bad, we address it immediately. As a matter of fact, inside of SEIU, we have a very strong ethics policy not a legal right and wrong, but an ethics policy so that you know that you're doing something wrong or, or it's outlined so that you have a guideline as to what's acceptable behavior and what is not. And our international president, Mary Kay Henry, addresses that immediately if something comes her way. How strange, how, how ironic is it that we have a president now whose own relationship in his, in his corporate uh, dealings, his business history uh, as a developer is, is, is known as, to, as, as, as one who has uh, mistreated, who has not paid, uh, who has uh, defrauded uh, not just um, people he's worked with, but those who have worked for him. Mm -hmm. How strange is it that we have a president now who is who is the face? Who's the face of our government when it comes to um, how we're, the position that we're taking with labor? That is, that behavior would not be acceptable inside of SCIU. It would be against our ethics policy. <laughs> it is also yeah. morally wrong. Mm -hmm. We, our policy is so strict. Until if uh, we can't accept gifts from anybody, I don't accept anything from anybody. A member, I just won a grievance. It was a huge settlement. Mm -hmm. The member bought a bottle of wine, and I had to say no. I can't take it. Uh, and I looked it up to make sure it was it was a twenty dollar bottle of wine just to say thank you. Let's have a drink of wine together. Right. And I had to give it back and say I cannot accept this. I can't accept anything. So SEIU uh, Healthcare has their own uh, emoluments uh, clause. Hmm? The international unions policy uh, that that trickles down to all of the local unions yeah. uh, really sets sets this as the as the guideline for how to mm -hmm. to uh, navigate the ethical uh, minefield that you might face in trying to carry out your responsibilities as a labor leader. So is, is a lot of this situated in ethics? Um, just the idea, even, even the, 
the case, right? Because legality does not mean uh, does not mean moral. It does not mean ethics, um, uh, uh, an ethical foundation. It just means that according to the Constitution and as a reference point and reasoning, that mm -hmm. you know we can we can see. I mean, because slavery was legal, right? Yeah. It wasn't moral or ethical. Um, but there is not there there's there's a lack of, of ethical consideration when it comes to this. How how do we re-inject that into the uh, into the public conversation? I think that people have injected uh, President Trump's behavior and his business relationships, and because the the left doesn't, uh, you know, we don't have enough votes in a particular house to make sure that that happens. But I'm just saying, inside of SCIU, uh, the ethics policy has to be. It's not. You can put it in, maybe, maybe not. It has to be a part of your Constitution and bylaws. It is attached to the Constitution and bylaws, which means that it's not that you're breaking the law, you're breaking an ethics policy, and that is taken very seriously inside of SCIU. There's a whole department that deals just with that, with complaints, concerns, uh, that deals just with that. What uh, President Trump is doing, I don't know how we got to that point in America that uh, folks can behave that way in the highest office in the land. I think it's also interesting that his own philosophy, I think business-wise, because obviously he's not a person who is pro-labor, uh, pro pro-union, uh, and the decisions that he's made to pull out of uh, trade agreements, uh, that multi multilateral, multinational mm -hmm. trade agreements in favor of bilateral um, agreements. Uh, and, and that, to me, I think was a, was a real signifier. Not that it had any had any uh, weight on the courts, but just knowing where mm -hmm. he stood and what he would do, uh, what the type of folks that he would he would support. And of course, he was a, uh, a supporter, even though Romney came in before him. Uh, but they're kind of cut from the same cloth. Mm -hmm. Scott Walker, uh, same cloth. What is what will uh, SEIU uh, International Healthcare Wisconsin? What will SEIU do moving forward? In regards to Janice, uh, or yeah, in regards to in, in regards to Janice, in regards to trying to uh, uh, any efforts to roll back this uh, Act Ten, um, what you know to to support a candidate possibly that you know that can that can get a guy like Scott Walker uh, Scott Walker Walker out of out of office. So SCIU is uh, going to remain politically politically active. We're going to educate our members every step of the way. We're going to interview candidates and make sure candidates stand up to the promises that make, they make to us. We're going to canvass for candidates. We're going to knock on doors. We're going to vote. We're going to register people to vote. Uh, SEIU members uh, have been recommitting to their union and welcoming in new brothers and sisters. And so we're going to build our, our army and we're going to make sure that we take America and put it in a place that uh, respects everybody. You know, what is the difficulty? You mentioned how Mississippi is the, 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 the poorest state mm -hmm. in, the, uh, in, the, in the country. Um, what are the challenges with setting up new, uh, new shops, new, uh, new, new locals uh, in places like Mississippi, in, in Florida, in, in, in those states where that right to work has, has uh, uh, taken hold? You know, um, it's really <coughs> difficult. There was just an organizing campaign in Mississippi. It was uh, in Kent, Mississippi, uh, 
United Auto Workers put it on. It was a five-year campaign where they tried to organize the Nissan workers. Mm -hmm. I went to Mississippi quite often and talked to my relatives and friends, some of them who did not agree, some of them who said to me, Diane, this is the best job I've ever had, and if I vote for the union, they will take this plant and move it somewhere else and I won't have this job. And so they are working and they work them till they can't. If you get injured, you're done. There's no union there and they had a big vote and uh, UAW lost that vote. And it was the most tragic thing I'd ever seen because these folks have no pensions, they have nothing. They just get paid that salary, that Nissan, and then they turn around and let them lease a car and they take most of it back paying for that big infinity or whatever it is. Really? And so we went down and we really tried to educate folks about it. But people are suffering. They have nothing, you know, and they, the, the jobs that you have, you can work in a hotel or at a restaurant because it's a hospitality state. Right. Uh, and they had a job that, you know, paid them like $15 an hour, $16 an hour, where up in Michigan they were uh, making so much more for those jobs and having a pension. So we have to keep educating people. We have to keep fighting. We got to keep standing up uh, and working very hard to try to help people have a better life because uh, many of my relatives in Mississippi, mm -hmm. when they retire, when they're so old they can't work anymore, then a loved one takes care of them until they pass away. It is just such a sad and pitiful sight uh, to see. I have a relative right now that's very ill and the family is taking turns 24-hour uh, care to take care of that person. No no money for nursing homes, none of that stuff. Right. So it's very unfortunate. You know, these are the, uh, thank you, Diane. These are the uh, realities of life. Uh, unlike Illinois, Mississippi is a, a place, Diane talked about a UAW organizing effort. It's a, you, uh, uh, Mississippi is a right-to-work state. Right. And because it's a right-to-work state, and I have friends, I'm from Tennessee originally, and I have friends who've been in management in, uh, in uh, manufacturing shops in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And they would often tell me about the regular meetings that manage would have, management would have with the, with the staff, with the workers, uh, to talk about unions mm -hmm. and the necessity for not having a union mm -hmm. in that particular shop in the state of Tennessee or in the state of Mississippi or Louisiana or, or some of the other right-to-work states. So these are very serious issues. So, uh, you know, there, there have been efforts to organize in the South, uh, but it is uh, something that needs to continue. However, it is a very difficult uh, situation given the, the uh, regular and continuous indoctrination of workers against unions in those states. And there feels like there, there's a lot of fear uh, a lot of involved fear where you know if you are making eight nine dollars an hour and then you get a job where you're making twenty dollars an hour or 25 or, you know whatever the, mm -hmm. the number is but that's all you're making and you're hearing that if you if you all unionize we will shut this plant down and move it and then there is nothing there is no support from uh, no governmental support there there no there's nothing that says well we're going to penalize you uh, mm -hmm. for doing so Mm -hmm. So that fear, I, I, I struggle to think how folks can actually uh, get around it. That has to, there has to be some type of support that goes beyond just the people that are in that plant. And, and it's where an does that come a, from? It's age-old tactic of, of uh, leadership 
uh, from the inception of the country is not anything new as we know yeah and so that fear or the playing on that fear has been mastered all the way up until 2018 which is exactly what we're dealing with today so the future unfortunately it feels like the future of, of places like Mississippi and and and, uh, and and other 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 places does not look very it does not look very bright um, but I'm an optimist uh, I'm, I am an optimist. Uh, I think that there has to be a strategy uh, where companies like this, uh, whether it's Nissan or whether it's a company like Walmart or, or, or any, any uh, company, where there has to be an economic penalty that is imposed by d the rank and file, by just us, us regular folks. There has to be a, a penalty. Um, if we think about like the uh, Montgomery uh, bus boycott, right? That was not, there was no, there was not a moral decision, right? It wasn't an ethical decision. It was you're in our pockets, right? You are costing us money, and we can't keep moving forward like this. So we have to make, we got to make some decisions. So there will come a point, or I shouldn't say there will come a point. I should ask, um, as a as a, as a leader, do you have conversations with other labor leaders where these types of uh, uh, realizations are brought out and says, okay, look, we need to get together and figure out how we can get our people across the board mobilized uh, to understand what's really at stake. Yes, we have conversations all the time. I want to say that uh, it's getting to a point where enough is enough. Yeah. Almost every aspect of our lives have been interrupted with what President Trump is doing, and I think even his base is starting to realize we're going too far. This is going too far. We've stood up in the face of other attacks. I mean, you know, I'm old enough to know that there was some serious stuff going on when I was growing up, and we stood strong. And us standing strong, Freedom Summers, and and you know the Montgomery bus strike, and all those things. Uh, finally, people had had enough, and 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 most importantly, the young people stood up. I, you know, I go to the museum, and every time I go to Washington, I go to that museum, and I go and see though that lunch counter where those kids sat yeah. and would not move, and those were babies compared to my age now. And uh, I think that people, you know, like every aspect, what's happening to the, the on the front of the Time magazine this month, they have a little one or two year old girl looking up, and and President Trump is standing there, and then a sign saying "Welcome to America." They're affecting those folks workers, they're affecting, um, uh, you know, blocking people from coming into the country, a particular population from coming into the country. And people are starting to feel enough is enough. And I think this is maybe the jar that they needed to make sure we vote. Illinois is a strong state with strong people. I love it here because people are very strong and outspoken and smart and educated. And I think they're going to rise up. And they're going to rise up like never before. And we're going to take back our country. And we're not saying that there's not room for the right. It's room for everybody. We just got to treat people right. And we got to make sure that one person or one family does not have everything. This is not Europe. This is America. And we got to make sure that we stand up for what's right. We want everybody to have a fair shake, not just some. You know, that union, that, that really, that philosophy of we can all win together. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the, the, the corporate response, right, the private response is, no, there's only so much to go around, 
right? And we'll we'll give it to you if you stand in front of them and block these other folks from getting mm -hmm. in. Uh, so as that relates to the uh, what we're talking about is an immigration crisis, which which is not. We actually have fewer people immigrating uh, in right now than we have had in the past. Um, and we actually and, and don't, we don't even talk about the number of people we have leaving. Right. There's actually there are more. Well, because I, I don't have the stats, I'm not going to I'm not going to give any numbers. But um, but as big as this country is, mm -hmm. uh, there is enough room for everybody uh, and for everybody, you know, to, 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 to do well. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to see that uh, with SEIU uh, Healthcare Wisconsin uh, and the, uh, and the leadership, I, I assume that this, the conversations and efforts that you are engaged in with SEIU uh, Healthcare Wisconsin are similar to the ones that you're engaged in uh, here with uh, local uh, 73, yes. right? Mm -hmm. um, is that overlap? Uh, do you feel like it's, it's Groundhog Day sometimes? Like you're just kind of repeating the same things or does it feel, uh, how, how does it feel? Well, I'm often asked to speak about uh, what happened in Wisconsin to the folks in Illinois. Yeah. And I do, and I think they've been taking heed because it started with the public sector in Wisconsin. That's not where it ended, that's where it right. started. And so what they brought to Wisconsin, <laughs> they are trying to bring to Illinois. Right. And we have to you know, rise up because Wisconsin has been beaten down, salaries have been lost, uh, it has eroded people's benefits, and we need to, and I tell people in Illinois all the time, you're not exempt from this. You, you, you know, this can happen here too if you're caught sleeping on the job. That's what they're waiting for, right. for you to be sleeping on the job. So we have to just stand up and stand together. It's not just about Illinois. It's not just about Wisconsin. It's about all of us, and we all have to stand together. Any thoughts? Um, I'll, this this will be my last my last question. Is there a history component for uh, your your membership? Uh, I remember um, I had to take a I had to take a class for my apprenticeship. It was labor history, mm -hmm. uh, hist labor history of America. Um, do you feel that that's something that should be a requirement for all union members? I really do. I think that when people think about Wisconsin, they think about, you know, farmland and cows and pleasant, you know, and everybody's all nice. But, you know, we we had a rise up in Wisconsin uh, where a number of folks, the, the governor called in the National Guard and they opened fire and killed like 13 people because they were marching for the eight-hour day. Wow. Um, and so people came into unions in droves because they, they, all they wanted was to work eight hours. They didn't want to work all the time. They didn't want child labor. And so that is uh, similar. You Like, if we don't watch labor, uh, history, it repeats itself, that it gets so bad. I mean, like, <coughs> there's no end to what uh, President Trump is doing. I mean, every, you know, I'm a CNN person, and every time I watch it, it's something new that has happened, and it's going on and on. And if we stop and do nothing, mm -hmm. they can go to, there's no end to what could happen. So... I think we do need a labor history course because I don't think, uh, like my son, he doesn't know about labor and it wasn't taught in his schools. When I was in school, they even taught me that, uh, you know, like when I first graduated uh, from college, they taught me that I didn't need a union uh, because I, could, I was a professional. I could, I could do it myself. And you know, 
I learned I couldn't do it myself. Just one voice and all of these voices in America, you can't do it yourself. Right. So yes, we do need something that teaches people um, about their rights and about what labor unions, and so that they can make an informed decision about whether or not they want to be involved. You know, and I would even go a step further, and I would say not just union members. I think it's important for our uh, young people, period. I think everybody, this should be a part, labor history should be mm -hmm. an integral part of the public school uh, educational mm -hmm. curriculum uh, to understand these things like a 40-hour work week and overtime and, and safety requirements mm -hmm. and ethical uh, considerations or um, standards. These are things that if people don't realize where they came from and that people mm -hmm. fought and were, and, and were killed, mm -hmm. uh, you know, people gave their lives uh, in the pursuit of, of things that we, we just take to be the norm and they are making serious efforts to roll those things back and we'll find ourselves in the very same position uh, we were in at the, uh, at the outset of the labor movement. Yeah. So um, I just want to say I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to come in to talk with us and uh, I hope uh, Radio Sun family, I hope you all have, have benefited uh, from this conversation. Uh, it's important for everybody to be, uh, to be aware, to be mobilized, whether you are in a union or not, realize the work that's being done and the benefit that, that we all partake of. I appreciate you as well for being here. Uh, Rod, thank you very much. Go right ahead. I, I really appreciate you for having us here and taking on this topic. And uh, uh, thank you so much for that. And I also want to say to, uh, to Diane that uh, I am, you know, I, you know I, I was very happy to hear her take on what's going on in the Janice case and the other experiences that she shared with us. Yeah. And uh, this is an example of a labor leader that uh, that's trustworthy and, and sincere and want to do the right thing. And, Diane, I, I really appreciate Thank you for you. that. Yeah, likewise. Thank you also yeah. so yes. much for having me. Yes, it's our pleasure. All right, Radio Islam family, uh, we have come to the close of another edition of Radio Islam. So that means it's time for us to say our goodbyes. Uh, we want to thank our engineers over at WCEV. We thank you very much for making sure we come through loud and clear. Um, we thank our guests, as always. I'm the host, producer, and engineer, Tariq Alameen. Our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. We remind you that the views expressed by the host and our guests are theirs and not to be taken as a representation of Sound Vision Foundation, even though everything was all good, right? But I still got to say that. Um, we look forward to talking to you next time. So everyone be well. We're going to leave you as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.